Well, hello everyone. I am Matt Williamson. This episode is brought to you by Live Casino, and that game is pretty miserable. You can make some goofy off-the-wall Halloween joke, ghoulish, whatever you want to go with, but uh, pretty miserable. Not totally unexpected. Folks, football season is here, and Live Casino is where FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sporting app, comes to life. Step up and place your bets as our self-service kiosks or with a sportsbook representative. Then cheer on your team and catch every heart-pounding moment of action on our huge 40-foot video wall. Bet, watch, and win at Live Casino Pittsburgh. Route 30 at the Westmoreland Mall. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. As usual, I am recording this Sunday evening, right before the Sunday Nighter kicks off. You know, we got Bill's Packers. Um, I just bolded a few things through my notes here, um, many of which I think you'll know, and then we'll sum this thing up, which we take it a little deeper. But as usual, the first podcast of the week is our first blush reactions to what was another miserable performance by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um First note, I mean, these are kind of more like play-by-play type of notes. I mean, that first bomb touchdown to A.J. Brown, who's a superstar, by the way. Um, I host a a podcast, Locked on Dynasty, which is all based on long-term, keeping your fantasy players forever, build a dynasty. You don't have a, a draft every year. Brown's only behind, like, Chase and Jefferson in terms of value. I mean, he is a great, great player. Showed it today. But this is on Minka. I mean... Of all the people to blame throughout the season, Minka's low on the list, but he had the angle. He's usually great at the catch point. Was horrible at the catch point in this. 7 nothing. Boom. Um, my note here, again, very early on. They get an illegal formation call. Again, very early on. Already, And my first note is offensive penalties already becoming a big problem. Foreshadowing. Here you come. Um they make it 7-7, and it was okay, you know. <laughs> I mean, there there was – here's one thing that bugs me. So, in that drive, which ended up making the game 7-7, things were competitive at that point. It was third and one. Pickett sneaks it, gets gets a, uh, the first down. Great. Everyone's happy. I'm yelling at my TV. It's third and one. You're on, like, the somewhere at midfield. I should have written, written down where it was. It was between the 40s. It's third and one. You're against a powerhouse team. Don't be content to get the first down on third and one. That's when you take a shot and not a go ball down the sideline. Throw a ball down the field. Get the fourth and one if it doesn't work. Then do the short yarded stuff. You know, like that's when you have a stacked box. That's when you have them where you want. Throw a bomb there. Take the fight to the opponent. Don't just be happy to get a first down. I mean, that's the thing. Happy to get a first down. That's a low bar in this league. But anyway... Claypool takes that end around, throws the left-hander to to Watt, the fullback. Great. Caught him off guard. It worked. My my note was, I guess this is good. 7-7, but yikes. You know, like, that's the kind of garbage you have to rely on to get the ball in the end zone. And and that's the only (laughs) touchdown of the day. And that's pretty much what they do every game is they score a offensive touchdown. So, next time the Sears get the ball, they're down 14-7. Kick the ball off. Sims has a very good return. But very, the, the announcers didn't catch this, but 
very late in the return. It was already a plus return. Norwood holds. He didn't hold at the beginning of the play to open it up. He held after it was a positive play to bring it back. Like, that's when it's just hands off. You know, Sims is past the 25-yard line. Don't grab anybody. You know, do your job. But if it's borderline, stay away. I mean, so dumb. Then, an illegal formation on first and 10. Then, you bring Sims in for a bubble screen. We'll get to that in a minute. Then, as always, a run for nothing. So, it's third and 20. Screen to Warren. Punt. One of the worst sequences I've seen. I mean, no attention to detail. It should have been start the ball, you start the drive with really good field position after Sims makes a play. Nope. You know, and before you know it, you're in a hole as usual. A couple other ones here. Later in the half, Pickens makes this catch. They call it a drop. They wait, they wait, they wait. No challenge flag comes out. I have no idea why. Okay. This makes me insane. So you're losing at this point. There's about 2.30 left in the half. They run the ball with 2.30 left in the half. Of course, they get nothing on the run, as always. Okay. And then they watch the clock tick down to the two-minute warning. You're losing 21-7 against a Super Bowl powerhouse team, and you hand them 30 seconds and get a yard for it. They could have thrown the ball three times before the the two-minute warning. Nope. Bouncers don't say anything. Okay. What are you doing? You know, give yourself a chance to win. Back to, I'm going to talk a little bit about Warren and Najee, probably more in the, in the, uh, during the week, but I'm curious and I'm going to investigate this. How many negative or zero or one yard runs does Jalen Warren have this year? The answer might be zero. Keep that in mind. Then here you go. (laughs) Well, first of all, let's go back to that two minute situation. You let 30 seconds go back, go off the clock. You could have thrown the ball three times. Remember that at least twice. Third and seven, Pickett takes a sack when you just can't take a sack. You kick a field goal, it's 21-10. And the Eagles say, thank you. That's the theme of the whole game to me, is, I just wrote this in quotes, thanks for making it so easy to play against, against you. Sincerely, the Eagles. So what happens after that really bad sequence? Illegal formation on the kickoff team. (laughs) <laughs> wow. Luckily, the big sack by Reed on that drive and looked like easy points for the Eagles, the way the, the Steelers handled them, themselves. I might even say the clock, but an illegal formation on the kickoff team. And then a, a sack by Davis, too. And they got some pressure there a little bit. So you get to halftime, and it wasn't quite as bad at the very end of the half as it could have been, although you were very, very easy to play against, as I mentioned. As we usually do, I'm going to just a couple halftime stats of note. At the half, Najee Harris has four rushes for zero yards, a long of one yard. Nice, nice. That, that's professional. 
Yards per play, Steelers, 3.7, which would be at the worst in the league if over the course of the year, that would be the last. The Eagles are at 6.7. So in the first half, every time they snapped the ball, they got three more yards than the Steelers. And at that point, the Steelers had already had eight penalties. I have early in the second half, we're moving along. In all caps, in bold, I type mental errors. <laughs> wow. And at this point, it's 28-10. Um, these go routes down the sidelines are making me crazy too, but we'll, these are some more details we'll get in throughout the week. Um, at this point, I'm thinking Kenny's starting to heat up a little bit though. You know, starting to make some throws, starting to feel himself, playing in rhythm. And then I just said, all right, I'm, I'm done with this. It's time to blame Najee Harris. You know, you, everyone's to blame, but he can't be free of blame at all. I mean, he is an anchor right now. And of course, they stall in the red zone field goal. It's 28-13. Yay, they got a field goal. Then the new kicker who made his field goals, good for him, kicks it out of bounds. So <laughs> the second awful play on a kickoff. Um, I gave the, the Eagles credit. This is something we talked about a lot on the pregame show with uh, Mike Pursuta and Merrill Hodge about how good this Eagles triple option was. And my note was, it's really great to see a well-designed offense. And Hertz ran it beautifully. You know, the ball handling, the decision, is he going to hand it? Is he going to throw it? Or is he going to run it? It was a true triple option. And they've been abusing people with it all year. But well-designed offense is fun to watch. Um, at this point, the game's over. You know, so... Uh, a quick note, you know, I give the Eagles credit. They have to play Thursday against Houston, but it doesn't matter. Wisely, they basically just rested everyone for the fourth quarter. So, I mean, they beat you with their starters in three quarters of play. Uh, Pickett and the offense were one from three, one out of three in the red zone. Um, just miserable. I'm going to take a break. I got some stats here and a little bit of quick up, thumbs up, thumbs down. Here's some final stats that I think really tell you all you need to know about this miserable performance. And first off, they're going to lose this game nine out of ten times. I mean, the Eagles, Bills, these are elite teams, and I don't throw that word around very much. But he completes 25 of 38 for just 191 and an interception. Hertz completes six fewer passes, barely plays in the fourth quarter, if at all but for about 100 more yards and four touchdowns and no interceptions. Kenny was sacked six times. Miserable. Four pass plays over 100 yards. And I don't have huge faith in pro football focus. This is big, big time throws stat, but he had zero. Zero big time throws in the whole game. Yards per pass, 3.4 every time the Steelers drop back versus 8.8. For the Eagles. In this game, Harris, eight carries, 32 yards for the game. Some of them when the game's well out of reach and on a draw when it doesn't matter. Warren, six carries, 50 yards. 
and they looked night and day. Um, I stole this from, I think, Pro Football Focus, but whatever. I think it was interesting. Warren is averaging two full yards more per carry than Najee Harris this season. For the whole season. Two full yards every carry. Seven of Warren's 29 carries have gone for 10 yards or more, compared to nine of Harris's 108 carries. So he's got nearly 80 more carries and basically the same number of 10-yard runs. Awful. Uh, Javon Hargrave. We haven't been doing this podcast long enough, but I reference Hargrave a lot. When he left the team, it was when the Steelers were very cash-strapped. And I use him as an example all the time. And I use it sort of in a positive way. That now that the Steelers have money, I don't think they'll lose the Javon Hargraves of the world. The guys that they drafted, they developed, they got better, better, better. And I think, and I don't know this for a fact, but I think they would have loved to kept Hargrave back in the day. Simply couldn't with the money others were making. And that's part of having an expensive quarterback at the time. And that was working. But Hargrave's the perfect example of guys now they can keep and not go, man, I really wanted to keep that guy and just can't. He was awesome in this game and good for him. You know, two sacks, uh, four other Eagles each had a sack. Hargrave was amazing from the beginning. Um, This is a a pro football focus thing, immediate reaction. Of their 52 pass-blocking snaps, their offensive line, Steelers' offensive line, combined for 23 pressures allowed, pending review. So somewhere in that neighborhood. Dan Moore Jr. allowed nine pressures. Chooks, five. Kevin Dotson, four. 23 pressures allowed on 52 dropbacks for the offensive line. You kidding me? Steelers were one of 12 on third down, as well as one one of three in the red zone. They were four four of four on fourth down, though. Um, One of those includes the fake punt, but that counts nonetheless. (laughs) On third and fourth down, though, the Eagles were eight of 13. Steelers were one of 12 on third downs. And back to the fake punt, I mentioned that on Friday. Hey, game like this, you better have those type of things in your, you know, in your in your bag, in your club that you can use. But two of the best plays they had were the the Claypool throw to Watt and a fake punt. Those are desperation type things, or they're the cherry on top of the Sunday. I mean, they don't even have the glass, let alone the ice cream and the whipped cream. And okay, you had the cherry at the bottom of the jar floating around. I mean, it's just not sustainable stuff. It's smoke and mirrors nonsense that worked. Yards per play when it was all said and done. Steelers got up to 4.3, a lot of that in garbage time. And the Eagles fell to 7.6. Still averaged 3.3 more yards every time they snapped the ball. Steelers ended up with nine penalties and two turnovers. Not going to beat good teams that way. Uh, the most misleading stat of the day, and I'm a big time of possession fan. Steelers held the ball for a little over 34 minutes. Eagles were about 25 and a half-ish, give or take. It's just because the Steelers weren't gaining any yards. You know, 12 play drives, 10 play drives. And you expect a rookie quarterback to not screw up that much, <laughs> you know? I mean, to score points on a 14-play drive, you basically can't fumble a handoff, take a holding call, you know, misread a coverage, take any penalties. And it's just easy to play against. So 
here are some offense. I haven't seen the defensive snap counts of the Eagles, but here are some fellas that I'm going to mention that played offensive snaps for the Eagles in this game. Eagles only played 57 offensive snaps. Gardner Minshew played 11 of 57. Kenneth Gainwell played 14. Uh, Scott, the other running back, played 13. Jake Stoll, he played 29 snaps. He's a tight end, folks. Jake Cal Cutterara, someone I've never heard of, played 12 snaps, also a tight end. Quez Watkins is a good player. Um, he played 38 snaps, though. Pascal played 57. And another receiver I'm sure none of you have heard of, Britton and Covey played four snaps. That's how bad it is. I mean, you're not even competitive against dudes that, you know, are bottom of the roster guys. This makes me a little crazy, too, with the Canada offense. There's just so many tendencies. Sims, mentioned before, had a good return. I like Sims. He's a good player. He got, but it's such a tell. He played 11 snaps on offense and got the ball four times. There was three times during the, the broadcast where you saw him trot on the field. And I turned to my 16-year-old and I said, Sims is getting the ball. He's either getting an end around or a bubble screen. How can every defense in the world not know that? When he comes on the field, he gets the ball all the time. And it's not on a drag route or a go. I mean, it's gimmicky nonsense. I mean, it's just so bad. Um, mental errors, penalties galore. Again, eight in the first half. So bad. Uh, our typical thumbs up. I'm going to go Warren. I'm going to go Claypool. Put together a couple good games. Fryermuth to me, is a constant and is a star. How about Pierre as a thumbs up? Maybe. Replaces Spoon in the second half. I guess Pierre suffered an injury, though. That's a few games in a row, though, that his stock is much higher to me than it was to start the season. So we'll give credit where it's due. Down, I mean, basically he's everything else, but here's a few others. The offensive line, it was their worst day of the year, easily. Especially the left side, proved that earlier in the, in the podcast. Can't say Pickett played well or his stock's going up. It's definitely going down. Pickett red zone stuff really worries me right now. It doesn't mean he won't overcome it. I mean, it's, folks, it's not uncommon for rookie quarterbacks to struggle in the red zone. I mean, it's, it is common. It's commonplace. But it hasn't got better. I mean, it certainly doesn't mean it's going to get better or it's going to be fine. I mean, it's an area of concern. Najee stock is down, down, down. I mean, I've defended him a little last two weeks saying, looks like he's moving a little better. Maybe the foot's not bothering him. I mean, they dump it to him and he needs two or three yards, just stops his feet, looks around, waits for tacklers to come smash him. Four of them do, including a defensive lineman. You're a 245-pound back. Run over the guy in front of you and get the first down. And then the next play, they do, they dump it to him. I have to look, but it's almost like the exact same play call. Shocker. And he tries to leap somebody again. You know, that's not running back stuff. Jumping over people, sit five feet in the air, isn't running back stuff. <laughs> you know, it looks cute when it works. It never works. Uh, <coughs> Witherspoon getting benched. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I'll give him credit. I mean, rough game. Brutal game. I have no problem benching him. 
Sometimes the guy that you're guarding is just a better player. And I think it was him against Amari Cooper, the same thing. That's starting to be a trend with Spoon is when he's one-on-one against a star or a B-plus or better receiver, he loses a lot. You know, uh, the good guys in the league give him a really hard time. And, I mean, I get it, but no one cares. You know, I mean, (laughs) that's an excuse. I mean, that's fine. Minka has to get a thumbs down, too. Not that I'm worried about him, but. Didn't make any big plays, allowed a big play, you know. Um, and here it is. I mean, here's my last two notes, and it's kind of, I think, sums things up. Steelers lose this game no matter what. I mean, no matter what. But the bottom line, the bottom line is Pittsburgh is just way too easy to play against right now. Like, when I think of decisions on the field or personnel decisions or always think... If I was playing against these guys, what do I want them not to do? I feel like the Steelers do the opposite every time. That if I were the fan of Steelers opponent X and so much of what they do, I would just say, thank you. You make it very easy to play against you. I appreciate it. So you go and you're by. I would say, take a step back. Analyze playing time on guys like Najee. Analyze your offensive coaching staff. Analyze. Go watch the Bills and Eagles. You know, you've played these two teams twice, you know, each in the last month or so, even less. I think they have a very good chance to meet in the Super Bowl. Bills are about to kick off now. I have a feeling they'll do just fine against Green Bay. I don't think I'm going to eat these words either way. Go watch those teams. And, And not just how they attack you. Go look how they were built. You know, where did they use their resources? Now you're not going to fall into Josh Allen. But Jalen Hurts wasn't built overnight. And he has a unique skill set. And where are these teams using their resources? How are they developing players? They're the class of the league right now with the Chiefs. You used to be in that pathion. You're not anymore. Go learn from those around you. So that's what I got. See you later. Over and out. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.